0: We are grateful for the time you take to join us for these conversations. is the one who's committed to his people growing through through knowing him through his word. He's given us his word. And so he's as committed to Bible literacy in his people if not he's more committed to Bible literacy in his people than we are. And so he will work. Hi, I'm Trillian Newbell and
1: I'm excited to announce our series Better Together. The series captures our desire to partner together as men and women in the church and beyond to advance the kingdom with mutual support and care. Better Together will address a wide range of topics from sexual abuse, leadership, women in work, women's ministry, and so much more. Our goal is to inform and equip listeners on matters most important to women in the areas of church, home, and work. And I'm really excited to have my dear friend, Courtney Reisig, on the line. And she is the author of several books, one, Glory in the Ordinary, and she's working on a book on the Psalms, which I think is going to serve the church in helping us learn to not only lament, um, but I'm going to let actually Courtney tell you what that book is about. Courtney, thank you so much for being on the line.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: And tell us real quick, I know we're not talking about this Psalms book, but
0: what is it about? Sure. Yeah. So in some ways it kind of ties into what we're going to talk about today because I care a lot about helping women understand the Bible and love the Bible. And so the Psalms are personally very meaningful to me in that they ministered to me during some significant trials in our family's life. And so I grew to love the Psalms and how the Psalms gave me language for my feelings. And so that's, kind of what the book is about is how the psalms are not surprised by our feelings but instead give us language for our feelings and how to process and heal and direct our prayers back to God when um, when we're happy and when we're sad. So that's kind of the direction of the book. It's it's in—I'm um, writing it, so those things can always change, but right. I'm in the process of writing it.
1: No, that's—well, I, I love that you started off by saying that it is on topic Because we are talking, because we are, we're talking about training and equipping women, and your desire specifically, as you said, is to train and equip women to love the word, to love the scriptures. So let's start there. What are we talking about when we're talking about training and equipping? To some people, it might be all about Titus two. To other people, it might be about seminary. But it sounds like Mm -hmm. you're you're thinking about. Bible training. So tell us, mm-hmm. what, what does it mean to you?
0: Well, sometimes Bible training can make people scared because they think of classroom setting type stuff. I have friends who, if you bring up training, they get a little nervous and anxious that they're going to have to go back to school. So we, in our church context, we're a church plant, we're small, and ours is primarily in providing a Bible study for women and giving them the tools for understanding the Bible themselves. So for for me, in my context, I want women to not only be taught the Bible, which is excellent, but I want to create something that's sustainable so that if I'm not there anymore, which I won't be, I'll eventually die and or move on. And so I want to create something where women have tools to understand the Bible for themselves. And so for myself in my own life, coming to understand the Bible myself has been so personally beneficial and beneficial to my relationships and my marriage and my walk with the Lord that I want that for other women as well. So that's kind of what I have in mind when I talk about training and equipping is simple, just giving women the tools to understand the Bible for themselves so that they are not intimidated by it and they grow to love it.
1: I I love this for a number of reasons, but I'm going to ask you one of those Kind of lame questions, why is this important mm-hmm. because I think I think that um often when we do think about training and equipping, we go big we think sure yeah and and you're talking something that we do in our home and opening the word and learning so yeah why is this important in for us to think in these terms as well
0: well I think so a lot of the times when we talk about training and equipping, we point to larger churches that are doing it really well and larger churches that have resources at their disposal and multiple Bible studies, meeting on multiple campuses, and that's great. The reality is that most churches in America and in the world are small, and so they don't have—I'm not paid on staff, and I don't know if I ever will be, not because it's not valued, just because we're a small church and it takes a lot of money to pay someone— and so, I think it's important because most Christians are in contexts where they're not going to be in a large classroom setting at their local church or a large women's Bible study, and so I want to get to the everyday ordinary people who are who we're ministering to, but I think it's also important, primarily important, because God has revealed himself to us in his word, and so if we are called by God and saved by God through Christ, then we should want to know God. And how are we going to know Him except through knowing His Word? So it's just basic discipleship and and helping people grow in their sanctification is helping them understand the Bible so that they can grow to love the one who saved them.
1: Mm, No, that's so good. So what are ways that local churches can improve training and equipping of women? Because what you are talking about seems so simple but yet yeah but yet i've heard the term biblical illiteracy we see people maybe running to different resources and different um mm-hmm. things that that may not be sound or helpful so how mm-hmm. actually can we do this and and specifically local churches how can they improve training and equipping in this area
0: yeah so i think it's it's a trickle-down effect. So if the word's not coming from the pulpit, then people aren't going to desire it. So what I often say to our women is that, the, and I say to our pastors and elders, is that the love that our women have for, our women, for Bible study is directly owing to the fact that they're getting fed on Sunday mornings and they want more. So it has to be a, a part of the church culture that you want the Bible and that you want to know God through His Word. I think... Another way to implement it is that there can be maybe some some fear over how um, pastors can help women train women in the church, and so we don't often um, interact with one another. And so, in my church context, I've known the the primary preaching pastor longer than I've known my husband. So he was he and his wife were my first friends at seminary, and then. They became friends with my husband after they that we got married. And so I've known him a long time, and he's not afraid of me. The other elders in our church are not afraid of me. One of them is my husband, so glad he's not afraid of me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think there's that there is, is. do you see the women in your church as being vital to the ministry of your church? And if you do, then then you'll see their input with women as vital. So that's just—I think that starts in, in the seminary context of of helping guys training for ministry to not be afraid of women, not be afraid of what they can contribute. But I think on a more simple front, we 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 talk a lot about doing things organically in churches. Like we want these things to just like spring up, and and I think that's helpful. We've tried that. And we found that organic doesn't always work.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It,
0: It sounds really nice and really spontaneous and fun. But the reality is that all kinds of things can happen when you do things organically. So we have, we are not overly programmatic, so we don't have a ton of programming, but we have very specific goals and very specific things in place. So in our church context, we have Women's Bible City is the women's ministry thing we do in our church. We're small. We can't do a lot. So what's the most important thing? We have one Bible study. From that has grown other things. So then we did a women's retreat. We do that once a year. We do a women's retreat. And in our women's retreat, we have women in our local church teach at the women's retreat. And then we have systems in place to figure out how we can add other women to the teaching team. And so our goal in our women's ministry is kind of twofold. It's it's giving women the Bible and teaching and training and raising up other women to teach the Bible. And so we start with women's Bible study. We, we, you can identify women who maybe are gifted to teach just through the conversations that happen there. And then from that, we, we have women teach at our women's retreat. And then we have, Lord willing, eventually we'll have enough women who are gifted to teach the Bible in our church, that we can then do like little mini seminars on Saturdays, where we all get together and talk through a passage of scripture together and help help grow each other in our teaching skills. So that's real like nitty gritty practical. That's yeah, helpful. But starting a Bible study is really simple. I mean, you can if you want to help women grow in loving the Word, and you want to train and equip women, then you can ask to start a Bible study. Uh, in your church, and and pray that God brings people to come. Uh, but it has to start from the top. It has to be the pastors value the Word and are preaching the Word. They have to value the women in their church. And then from there, that will afford opportunities for growth.
1: No, that's helpful. It's very practical, pretty simple. But I've heard you say the word have to a couple of times. You said that the pastors have to desire this, mm-hmm. and the pastors mm-hmm. have to preach it. What happens when you have a woman who desires it but isn't a part of a culture that actually equips women or, or has a desire for equipping women in the Bible? What do you do with that woman who has that desire but isn't seeing it in her local church? How do you encourage her?
0: Yeah, so this is—so um, I've so I'm going to— because I don't have firsthand experience in this, I'm going to like kind of, I'm using football terminology and I don't really know what that means, but I'm going (laughs) to punt it. I think this is the right thing you're supposed to do here. But I have heard other, I've talked with other women who've been in these contexts. And one of the things I've heard them say is you can always just invite people into your living room or to coffee and just start talking, start talking about teaching them the Bible or studying the Bible with them. Women, I have found. So, not every woman who comes to our Bible study is super excited about Bible study, but most women want to get together, and mo- and so that's kind of in our context. Women really want to get together and talk and and hang out. We have a lot of young moms, so going to Bible study is a night out for them. And so, I think just starting with gathering women together to hang out and doing this small incremental, let's read through this together and talk about it, is is where you can kind of see that's where the organic growth I think can happen in in a structured and a structured setting where you have some degree of intentionality and then also i would just this is so cliche and we say it all the time but god is the one who's committed to his people growing through through knowing him through his word he's given us his word and so he's as committed to bible literacy in his people if not, he's more committed oh, to yeah. our literacy and his people than we are. And so he will work. We just don't know when he will. I mean, I, I went to seminary. I, I, I didn't finish seminary, but I started seminary, I want to say 12 years ago now, maybe 13 years ago. And I'm just now doing what I went to seminary to do. I mean, I, i I mean, I had children all throughout there, so that was I was doing something else. But um, <laughs> you've been busy. <laughs> but yeah, like, yeah, I've been busy. Yeah. But um like it took a long I mean, I wanted to do this for a long time and I know women who've wanted to do it for twice as long and have just been faithful in the little things that God opens doors for and um eventually Lord willing, he'll 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 bear fruit in the in the in the work. So That's I don't know good. if that answers your question. No, it does. Well,
1: what I wanted to make sure that the listeners hear is that you can still you can. teach oh, God's yeah. word if yes. you're not surrounded by what you desire. In the midst of that, I'd say pray, pray that yes, yes. Um, your your church would catch a vision for Bible yes Bible yes. study Bible literacy, and then take a step of faith so if that me- that might mean you starting a bible study in your home but also mm-hmm. approach your pastor about this try to ca- yes. give him a vision for it talk to him and so i don't know if it's as it, it, i wouldn't i don't want to use a word more often than not but i do think that often people just don't take steps of faith to actually uh, yes. present their yes. their idea to their leadership team and then to take us another step of faith of actually um, inviting people. So, so I, I would just encourage the woman who doesn't who doesn't see it happening in her uh-huh. church. And there's, there, I would say, another thing. There's probably more people with that desire than you'd
0: think. And I was just going to say that. Yeah. Yep. And
1: so, what do you think about that, Courtney?
0: Oh, I think absolutely. So, I am. Often struck by how not alone I actually am yeah. when I actually talk about how alone I feel. Right? I mean, so it, this is the the case for everything. And so you would be surprised. Most people always know what I'm thinking. It just kind of all comes out. And so I am often surprised by, oh, they were feeling that too, or they thought that too, or they wanted that too, and I just didn't know because I didn't either ask or I didn't try or um, and so. The beauty of being human is that there is nothing that we experience that is that is not common to someone else. And so we have we have there are probably people in your church who want the same thing. And another thing I was thinking too, I, I heard someone say this a, a while ago, is that sometimes it it takes you going to the pastors or the elders in your church and maybe they want it and they don't even realize it, you know, like pastors are so overworked. And so there's a, depending on the size of your congregation, there's a lot of people they've got to keep up with and they can't be all things to all people. And so it would be in some church context, an incredible blessing to your pastor for you to go and say, can, can I do this? Is this okay? Um, and so I just think, I mean, I know there are church contexts where the pastors dominate. That's a different story. But there's there's as many varied circumstances where prayer, wisdom, and some intentionality can sometimes go a long way.
1: No, you're exactly right. I, I'm just going to repeat a line. I wrote it down that you said because I just think it's incredibly encouraging that we consider this. I'm often struck by how not alone I actually am when I talk about how alone I feel, and I think I'm like, yes, yes, that it, it it is it's so true, Courtney, yeah, and so in this, but everything but about every, yeah, I had several different lists of things that I thought think, man, if we would just speak up, if I would just speak up, I would probably have a lot more more support and encouragement than." <laughs> um yeah. and and it, this is cliche but it's also true nothing new under the sun we say it all the time but it's true and so for the woman who d- desires training and equipping and biblical literacy and understanding and and getting in the word with other women there there's probably someone and it may just be one person it may not be that you are in a auditorium filled with hundreds of women. It may just be one person. And it's encouraging just to sit down and open the Word together. Um, I've experienced that. Uh, even last semester, I did a small Bible study, It was just a small number of us. And every time I opened the Word, I left so encouraged by what Mm -hmm. God was revealing to each and every one of us through His Word and how He was using a broken vessel, jars of clay, whatever you want to call it, (laughs) a weak person Mm -hmm. to, to, to teach. And so we've been talking a lot about the local church, and that is your context. That is your heartbeat. But yes, you do serve beyond the local church, and you mm-hmm. w- did um, attend seminary, though you didn't complete it. So what about beyond the local church? Have you thought about how can um, women be equipped beyond the local church? Um,
0: yeah, I think that there's—obviously, I yeah I'm, the local church is my heartbeat. It's the drum that I'll beat forever, but I think that there are contexts where— we are discipled and trained by not the local church. So I think really practically in my church context, we women, women in our church are not going to go to seminary and they're not going to be able to go to a training workshop where they're going to learn how to study the Bible. But that's where like books and resources and podcasts and even there's like you can listen to seminary classes on podcasts like RTS does it. That's where those types of non local church resources are so incredibly helpful because we're one church with eighty members and and forty small children, and so we we're not be able to create the type of content and resources that's going to give our people the the theological and biblical insight and and training that they need and so we need people writing books we need people doing podcasts i mean i I listen to Nancy Guthrie's Help Me Teach the Bible the day it goes up whenever she has a new one. Knowing Faith Through the Church is really helpful in tackling um, things that, like theological and biblical truths. RTS, I've mentioned they have. You can listen to some of their classes online. And I know people who have gotten basically an entire seminary education for free by listening to those those courses. And so that is incredibly it's necessary. So the local church is where where the Bible talks about being the pillar and buttress of truth. It's where God's glory is displayed and where God's people are trained and equipped and go out. But in the internet age and in the age of where we can get printed resources to us, we need those, and we need people creating them so that the people in our congregations can have them and then grow and then go out and, and serve in whatever context God has them in. So there's a tremendous need for those things. I don't think they're unnecessary. One of the hard things, I think, I know you do this as well, we both teach at churches. We go teach at women's retreats and conferences, and I'm incredibly thankful for those opportunities. I like meeting women in churches all across the the country. Um, But what I want to say in some of those places, and I do say when I have the opportunity, is there's probably women here who can do this as well. Mm -hmm. And what a blessing it would be to train them and equip them to do it. And some of those churches do. And there's a place for bringing an outside speaker, absolutely. The church I just spoke at in November, they they have a whole host of women who teach all throughout the year, and then they do like one thing, and they have a woman come in. And I think that's great. But I think there's a place for both. But I think if we can use the resources out there to equip the women in our churches, I think that would be, in my opinion, preferable. <laughs>
1: No. uh, Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's where ministry happens mainly. Yeah. Is in the local context. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, But using the resources. So I I'm a writer and so I I would never say that only we only do this in local church and, and we don't read books anywhere else or anything like that because the Church is local, but it's also global, absolutely. And so we need to be hearing from our brothers and sisters all throughout the world,
1: well, and, and not just hearing. I mean, we just have such access to these things. And so, so much, as, yeah, yeah. And as we're learn reading the word and we're talking again about training and equipping, as we're equipping ourselves to teach and to just live, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. then, then it's good to know that there are so many things out there. You've named um, different podcasts and different seminary classes that are free that you can look online. Mm-hmm. And we do, we have such access to so many different things. So we we have seminaries and and podcasts, and you've named several, and, and it's encouraging. It's encouraging to know that as we are training and equipping ourselves and training and equipping our women, that they're we have access to so many different tools so for because for some some women most women probably they're not going to be able to relocate to mm-hmm. to go to midwestern seminary even though we'd love to, we'd love to have everyone there, Mm -hmm. or we'd love to have everyone at Southern, or or we'd love to go to Southeastern, but we can't all relocate. And there are online Mm -hmm. classes, but even still, the the time to do Time and finances. Yeah, time and finances are limited. And so it's good to know that these resources are available for free, and uh, we can call it continuing education. Help us continue our education. And so- The series is called Better Together. How might men and women partner together for training and equipping specifically in the local church and the focus that um, we've been thinking through today?
0: Yeah, so this is something I've been mulling over, especially in a smaller church context where you can't pay pay someone to do—in our church, we couldn't pay someone to be a woman's ministry director or something like that. One of the things that I've been so helped by is feeling heard. And not just by my husband, but by the other elders as well, is that they're um, I feel heard and equipped, and um, so our elders will often say, "If you need resources, let us know, and we will we will purchase them or the church will pay you back. That's huge to to be able to buy resources to be better equipped to teach a Bible study to the women in your church. so and one of the things we just did in our church budget is we allocated discipleship funds. So the elders, and when they meet with someone for discipleship purposes, they have discretionary money to meet with them, like whether they do coffee or something. But we had nothing for women. And so what ended up happening was the men in our church are able to meet with other men in our church for discipleship purposes, and that cost is covered and in our church we didn't have that for what if a what if a woman is what if what if Courtney's meeting with someone for discipleship purposes or things like that and so that seems really small but it's incredibly helpful when you're ha- when you feel heard and you feel valued and you feel like the work that you're doing with the women in your church is is important when when you have just that discretionary um funds to help i think so being heard, I think, also believing that discipleship and training of women is important. When you think of of churches, over half of of our churches are filled with women because there's more single women in churches than men. And so, to to neglect to care about to and and it's not, I don't think it's malicious. Yes, sure. Just it, it's just unintentional. And so, to see and. To see women who are rising up as gifted to teach and to lead, to encourage them, to say to them that you see that gifting and then to then provide them with resources to do that, whether it's through funds for for books, whether it's through sending them to a conference, whether it's um, checking in with them and seeing how things are going. Like one of our pastors um, is so incredibly helpful in in helping me talk through curriculum and things like that. and um, to feel like you have a theological outlet where you can get that help is so incredibly helpful. Um, And it's simple, it doesn't require programming, it doesn't require a whole lot of anything. I think also though, is recognizing that that shepherding people um, is going to include having a woman who can do that. Because there's just things that women have women deal with that they need another woman to come alongside them. No, I'm glad and you said that. Yeah. It's so important. I mean, there are and you're probably gonna talk about some of these with the people you interview, but there's just a whole host of issues that women deal with that a pastor is neither equipped nor should he be equipped to help. Um and he should he should have a woman who he can identify and more than one if he can of, hey, can you talk with them? Can you reach out to them? Because I think that that's part of shepherding. I think part of shepherding is delegating and recognizing who your key leaders are who can help you in your task of shepherding God's people. So in our church, it just looks like providing resources, funds for resources, recognizing the ministry is important, and then um, listening is huge.
1: And there, again, I've used the word simple um, several mm-hmm. times. It, it's just a- Simple steps. It doesn't—yeah, it's not hard to identify leaders and to try to find trusted people who you can Mm -hmm. help to to come alongside you in ministry, which we see so much in the New Testament—
0: I was just thinking that. Yeah. yeah, I think yeah. the
1: same thought. Yeah. So, well, look at that. We've done that a couple of times. So, yeah. Uh,
0: uh-huh.
1: We are friends. <laughs> but, anyways. So. We are. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. So, I I think um, these, these are really simple steps that we can take. How can we, this is our last question, how can we give and encourage gospel hope in this conversation and working together for the pastor who's failed in this area or who's maybe even abused his power to the woman who's discouraged and maybe she's become bitter. What is some gospel hope to end us on?
0: I am really glad you asked that because as I was talking as as we were as you were just talking, I was thinking, oh, I wanted to add this and I think this falls within that is I think it's really important to remember that that you and the pastors in your church are going to fumble over this a lot. And so you are going to be misunderstood, and you're going to misunderstand them. And you're going to feel, even in the best church context, like nobody cares about you. They don't care about the women. They don't care about what's going on. Sometimes that's real. Sometimes it's perceived, and it's not real. It's just imagination in your head. It can be both. But all of this is owing to the reality of living in a broken world. And so... We can talk all day long about vision for things, but at the end of the day, we live in a post-Genesis 3 world, which affects everything. And and so, so much of our disappointment and struggle and strife and bitterness and domineering behavior is owing to the fact that Adam and Eve ate the fruit and plunged us all into rebellion. That's the the problem, and that's why we feel angst when it's hard and why why it is hard to begin with. And so the glimmers of hope that we get when things go well and when things are firing on all cylinders and we feel heard and understood, that's happening because Christ is redeeming all things and will one day make all things new, but it's just a glimpse of what's going to happen. It's not the final outcome. And so we are living in this tension of already but not yet. We we we've been saved and we're being saved and we won't one day be made new completely. But until then, we're we're gonna have really good days and really bad days. And that is something that personally I've had to come to terms with a lot in the last like three or four years and has helped me in applying it to everything else around me because I often feel this tension of I know what how it's supposed to be, but I'm not feeling how it's supposed to be. My life is not playing out how it's supposed to be. Well, that's because I don't live in the new creation yet. And, and so that is so important to hold on to in everything. And so if you apply it to church ministry, that's really important to hold on to in church ministry because we wrong each other because we are sinners who live in a broken world. And when we do right by each other, it's because Christ has has saved us and is making all things new by the blood of of the cross. And so, that's what we have to remember. So when things go well, we can't take the credit; it's not us. And when things go bad, it's because we live in a broken world and we're sinful. That's the only hope I have to offer.
1: No, that's is so good. That
0: this is not all there is, and we're kind of inching our way to glory, and one day it'll all be right. But until then it's not
1: and as we're longing and waiting for um that new creation we we work together we try we strive towards unity in in this area so I think that's it does bring hope you're right we're broken we're fallen but there's hope because of the cross and mm-hmm. um, we're gonna mm-hmm. wrong but we we look towards, that future when it will all everything will be made new and things will be right. And until then mm-hmm. we we pursue godliness and and love of neighbor so and work together. And so thank you so much Courtney. I'm grateful for you and and I think oh, this is going to be I'm encouraging thankful for you. All right. Uh, we... I'm
0: excited. I'm excited to hear all the other interviews.
1: Oh, thanks. Thanks. I hope it becomes one of your listening rotations that um that it you will. listen to. Well, You have been listening to the ERLC podcast and I'm Trillian Newbell. We will look forward to joining you next
0: time.